Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And today I hope that Trump haters hear this. So um, today's episode, it, this is actually my second time recording this because my wife told me that the published episodes are very hard to follow. And I have a habit of just once I'm done with something, I just release it without doing a lot of double checking. Um, I, I When I self-published my book on Amazon, uh, my friends, they spent a good time. They had a good time just picking out all my typos and all my grammatical errors because I didn't spend a whole lot of time editing it like I should have. And I approached this podcast the same way. I kind of just perform like a mind dump, I guess, and walk away. <laughs> but yeah, I listened to my first two episodes. I don't know. I think the first one wasn't that bad, but maybe the second one, because there was only really one point, I did ramble a lot in support of that one point. So um, taking my lovely wife's feedback to heart, I actually sat down and wrote out the points that I really wanted to cover this episode instead of just sitting down and just talking um, about things that just came to my head. So wife, if you are listening, just know that uh, you made me do double the work that was required for this episode. So before diving into the meat of this episode, I want to give you a disclaimer that I am politically speaking moderate on most things slightly on the conservative side um but yeah i am not extreme one way or the other like i wouldn't label myself democrat or republican um so just so you kind of know that i am not trying to win any one side over to another um because i mean obviously the the title of the episode is i'm addressing Trump haters, right? And not just people who don't like Trump, but people who don't like his supporters. Um, and yeah, I just have to make sure that people know that I am not trying, I am not trying to change anyone's minds in terms of their political views, but I am advocating for a shift of, of perspective when it comes to viewing Trump supporters. So the first thing I want to ask you to do is let's think about the last time someone attacked your character over an issue that you guys were debating. I don't know how often that happens to normal people, but I, I really like debating issues with people. So um, this is a relatable question to me, but just think about the last time like you were talking about something and Things got out of hand and people started attacking your character. Oftentimes it's, wow, you believe this? That says a lot about you as a person. Or only someone this evil could talk this nonchalantly about this. You know, um, it's, it's an attack on your moral character that's tied to the issue that you guys are talking about. And I want you to think about how that made you feel in terms of your receptiveness to new ideas or 
changing your mind about something. And I think if you're being honest with yourself, it probably brought down the chance of you agreeing with your opponent, I guess, or your, your peer, whoever you're talking with, down to close to zero, right? I, for me, I personally, when I get attacked, um, if my character gets attacked, I spend 100% of my effort in that conversation to either defending myself or attacking that person just as viciously, if not more so. And I, uh, it's probably, not, I know it's not the right thing to do, um, just kind of morally speaking, but I think human nature is that when we are, when who we are is attacked, we, we want to defend ourselves. So I understand why it happens. And so having that understanding, I think when Trump haters or people who don't support Trump demonize Trump supporters, I think that's a very unproductive conversation. Um, of course, there are people who really are you know, genuinely bigoted uh, I even hesitate. I even hesitate to say that because I'm sure maybe there are, but it has to be a very tiny percent of the population. And even then, I feel like they might have things that we don't understand about them that um, might influence their their views. We'll get into that later. But um, just I think demonizing someone and saying that they are evil. Or, or you are wrong. And, and ending that dialogue is really just counterproductive. It, If you as someone who does not like Trump's policies or Trump as the president wants to win over people who do support him, that is the last thing you want to do. The first thing you want to do is ha have an actual conversation. right? But if you... Yeah, take away someone's humanity by calling like by demonizing them. It's it just becomes a battle of defending one's character. And any kind of meaningful or significant exchanging of ideas or presenting, you know, your case of why one policy is wrong versus another, like all of that kind of gets thrown out the window. So the first thing, yeah, like to summarize my points, because so that it's easier for my wife to follow along, I'm going to summarize my points as I go along. To summarize, the first point is let's not demonize anyone um, because we want to promote more conversation because I think more conversation, more dialogue will lead to deeper understanding and perhaps even unity. So the second point I want to make is Trump haters should think about why Trump supporters, who we are now no longer demonizing, why they would have voted for Trump. Like, what is their logical and reasonable reason behind that decision? And again, at this point, I want to kind of disclaimer that I don't, I don't really have, I mean, I have my own personal feelings about Trump, but... That's not part of this podcast. Um, I'm not saying that 
Trump is bad or good. I'm just saying that from a Trump hater's perspective um, and the way that the mainstream media portrays uh, Trump, it's it's someone of questionable moral character, right? So regardless of whatever what you might think about him, even if you're like a Trump supporter listening to this who says, who's thinking Trump is morally an upright, an upright character or a person, then fine, that's okay. But I'm working under assumptions to have a conversation here. And so kind of thinking in the worst case scenario model, right? If Trump really is a morally corrupt character and everyone knows it, then why would someone vote for him? Because I think that's the question that people who don't like Trump um, think about a lot. Or I don't know if they think about it, but they question it a lot, right? Like, why would you vote for someone who's so obviously evil or morally corrupt? And this is what I'm trying to get at is the fact that if Trump supporters are good, reasonable people, there must be good, reasonable um, intentions behind and under their supporting of Trump, right? It, it might be very complicated. It might be very complex. And it might not be like a straightforward answer why uh, the, some of the people who voted for Trump voted for him. But I think that's an important dialogue to have. That's, I think that's a very important conversation because if we don't understand why people might compromise and vote for someone who's morally corrupt, then we'll never understand what you know policies or what issues that drove them to that compromise is in their hearts. And it's whenever someone compromises, I think that's a strong indicator of what is obviously it's what is a uh, really important to them, right? Because if you compromise two very important things, if you compromise something in when it's two very important things, it shows how like the magnitude of how important you think the thing you chose is. And yeah, at this point, my wife is probably thinking, oh, there, there he goes again, rambling. But let me kind of give an example to um, ground you guys a little bit in, in what I'm thinking. So um, regardless of what you think about Trump, one of the things that I, I did read up on that he did do, or at least his, his administration to do, is um, the amount of uh medication that is being approved to go into to become generic um, increased a lot i forget the exact statistics but it like doubled since like four years ago or something like in 2018 the number of medications that um went from like brand name to generic or where like generic versions of it were approved it it jumped up a lot so for someone who has someone like a loved one or even maybe themselves who rely on generic medication because you know generic medication they're i get i think all of the times they are much cheaper than than their their actual like brand name version so someone who relies on medication and someone who relies on cheap medication 
would look at Trump and say, wow, this is why I voted for him, potentially, right? So in that case, can you really fault someone for, like, if they voted for Trump, hoping that he would do something like this? Can you fault that person for having voted for him? I don't know. Like, I personally don't think I could. If if someone's voting and then their political views are shaped by their livelihood and their health, I, I would be hard-pressed to say you're evil because you voted for someone of questionable moral character. Okay, and so, and let me throw you a a moral dilemma, okay? Let's say that you are voting for a representative and this representative promises to um, increase funding and cure a very obscure disease. And people are saying, oh, he can do it. Okay. And you just happen to know someone in your family who has that disease. So you're thinking, oh, let me vote for this guy so that my family member can be cured of this disease. But also, the day after, you hear that this person was actually a sex offender. Okay? So now the moral dilemma is, do you vote for this sex offender to represent you in office and give this person a platform of leadership and influence? Or do you risk this you know, all this funding that was supposed to go to the curing of this, this, this disease that would have, you know, cured your family member. Like, I think if I was watching someone make that decision, I don't know if I can be too critical of that person who says, yeah, I'm just going to vote for him anyways because the issue that really matters to me is this funding. And if we view, if Trump haters were to view Trump supporters in this light, like I'm sure most, in most cases, it's not like life and death like this, but if we were to view people of opposing uh, political views in this light, I think it would leave a lot of room for just under, deeper understanding and, and yeah, the reconciliation even. And I think one thing we need to realize is that we live in a two-party like system. Like our democracy isn't like you just vote for whoever like you want and that person automatically becomes like whoever gets the most votes becomes the president. No, if if you're not a democrat or republican, you obviously you have virtually no shot of actually becoming a president. Right. Even though there's always like the libertarian candidate and like independent candidates that always run, but they always get like less than like 3% of the votes. So essentially, we live in a two party system where each party, I'm sure they're aware that they technically only really need 51% of the votes to get into power. And in a place where you're chasing only 51% of the votes, you can forsake the needs of the 49% that you don't really need. And with that in mind, 
Democrat, Republican, and being that most people are probably moderate, everyone's making compromise. Everyone's saying, oh, obviously, I don't align 100% with the views of this candidate, but I align maybe 60%. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for this person. So in a world, in a system where we're all needing to make compromise, it's understandable and conceivable that someone might compromise the moral character of a candidate to get something that's really near and dear to their heart. And this is um, kind of my critique of this two-party system. I am not a fan of it because, like I said, if there's only two parties, then you only need like 41, 51% of the votes and 49% of the people are just forsaken. But that's not to say that I have a better idea. I mean, I think democracy is the best form of government. Um, I don't have a better idea, but I just feel bad. Like I can't help but feel bad for people that are marginalized in, in those like we don't need to care about them because they won't provide the necessary votes category. And yeah, I think it's sad that that happens. But anyways, back on point. And the second point, I just to summarize one more time, or I guess just to summarize the second point, just think about the compromises that people need to make. Let's think about why good, honorable people might vote for someone who you view as bad and dishonorable because if if you begin if you begin to think about that then that opens the door for further dialogue and further chances of reconciliation and unity and the third point that is pretty closely related to the second one is now that you've thought about why they would have voted for Trump let's get some verification right let's get some real content behind that which is you know engage in real conversations and ask people why they supported trump and i know that there's this stigma surrounding like like political conversations with other people uh and for some reason it's only acceptable to do on like facebook or something which i think is really weird It, it, it just People tend, I feel like people tend to be more extreme and more aggressive behind a keyboard, behind a keyboard and a monitor versus uh, talking in real life. And, and those people who are really vocal on social media, they're, they, they tend to be like extremists anyways. But I think if you were to have a real like real life conversation with someone about why they voted for a particular candidate and if you can keep it you know civil, I think you'll just learn a lot. Um, you'll gain new perspective and you'll learn about the issues and policies that are um, important to these people that you're talking to. And like me, I, I have a friend who voted for, I think he voted for Trump. He's a Trump supporter or he might just be just a like a re- Republican. So he just voted for Trump just to vote for the Republican. But whenever I talk to him about that and why he voted or why he supports Trump, I I learn a lot. And I walk away thinking, oh, I can see why for him it's important to support those kind of policies. 
And on the flip side, I have another friend who's extremely liberal. And I talk to him a lot about those like policies and politics. And like for him also, it makes sense why he thinks the way he does and why he supports the things that he does. And when the three of us get together, it's, it's really fun for me because I like to instigate fights between them. And it's really entertaining watching them argue and <laughs> it usually doesn't get out of hand. But anyways, um, that's beside the point. Um, yeah, having real conversations with people who you kind of know the political leanings of, especially if you're not uh, on that particular part of the political spectrum. I think it really just works to give um, give you more perspective and it broadens your worldview. And if any, I, I really do think that that's important. That's really important to um, for this country and for healing right now. I I was having a com- conversation with a friend who was criticizing Trump for, you know, some of the for kind of propping up some of the industries that are no longer uh, efficient to have in this country. Um, I think we were talking about the steel industry and he was saying, why would Trump support that? That should just completely go to like uh, a different country where it's cheaper to, you know, import anyways. So like, why would we, why wouldn't we let this industry in our country die out? And I was thinking about that. And if I were someone who, whose livelihood depended on the steel industry, like if like my father worked in it and I'm, I were currently working in the steel industry and that's like all that our family knew, then even if I agree that for the long run, it's better for that to be in a different country, I would still vote for someone who's saying, hey, we'll keep this, these jobs here so that your livelihood will remain intact. And I, again, it's similar to what I was talking about before with uh, the moral dilemma piece, but if someone's livelihood is at stake, can you really fault that person for you know, wanting to keep that intact? I I certainly couldn't. If If a... Like, no, I can't really, I'm trying to think of a industry that, so I am a data analyst and if it's pretty much been my career for the last eight, nine years. And if someone told me that a president was going to come into power, who was going to ship all of that out to like India and America would outlaw or completely get rid of all data analysis work, then I would, you would, I would definitely vote for that person's opponent over that president or that candidate. Because that's my livelihood. That's how I make money. And that has nothing to do with the moral character of either of those candidates. That has nothing to do with any of their other uh, political views or policies. But just on that one thing alone, I think I would be like, heck yeah, I'm going to vote for this person who's going to help me keep my livelihood. And so that, that I kind of talked to my friend about that. But um, because it wasn't really about me, um, I couldn't speak 
in much concrete terms. So you kind of let that conversation kind of just dissipate. But that's just an example of how a conversation can go. It's you're no longer thinking about a this industry that we need to get rid of, but if you attach actual people to that and how it can affect people's livelihoods, I think then you kind of get a, a better understanding and maybe even more empathy toward someone who would, you know, support a political uh, candidate who would who promises to keep that intact. So to uh, summarize point three. Um, I think Trump Trump haters need to engage in real conversations with Trump supporters to understand, you know, just like point two to put context behind the why um, and to just broaden your perspective. Because if your perspective is so narrow and only aligned with what you want to think about, then you'll just be blind to a lot of um a lot of issues and, and things out there that, you know, you might find very important, but you just, you've been so narrow-minded about it that you just never knew it existed out there, right? So um, let's get rid of the stigma of, like, this fear of talking politics with people. Um, and, yeah, let's openly talk about it. Let's be let's be civil, Let's but let's talk about it and understand each other's perspective. And I think that... Um, will give us another step toward unity. And this is, uh, I guess, point four. I don't know if it's this is a point. It's kind of the overarching point. Um, you might have noticed that I, I've been mentioning unity a lot. And the reason is because I, I think the country is very divided. And a divided country, if left divided for too long, and in extreme conditions as this, um, I feel like civil war is unavoidable. At the very least, a actual divide in the country would happen, right? Like secession or something. And I'm not, I'm not saying like it, this is going to happen like two years from now if we continue this way, but eventually down the line, if there is, you know, Republicans will always think this way and Democrats will always think this way and there's no leeway and there's no room for conversation between the two, then, yeah, I really do believe a divide in the country, violently or not, will actually happen. And I certainly don't want that. And I'm sure most people who live in the United States of America don't want that either. And I think one of the ways to... Um, kind of change course is have conversations, um, be open-minded and not demonize people and seek out unity. And that that's really, um, yeah, that's, I think the overarching bow tie for this entire talk is um, let's, and I know that there are Trump haters out there saying, hey, why are you addressing us? You should address Trump supporters too, but uh, yeah, you got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> you got to start addressing one side. So this really a lot. Everything I said in principle applies to Trump supporters as well. Um, but the the only reason I, I I address the Trump haters is because I feel like that is the, like the, the mainstream media is Trump haters, 
So just because I feel like Trump haters have more of a platform and more of a more of a voice in mainstream media, um, that's why I'm addressing them. Um, but again, if you're a Trump supporter, everything I talked about applies to you um, in, in principle. So yeah, guys, I think unity um, is is the key word for this week's episode. And just remember that everyone you talk to, everyone you see, everyone you interact with, they're inherently, I think, reasonable and, yeah, good, logical people. So let's not reduce them down to just stereotypes that that we think Trump supporters are. So, yeah, that's... Um, this week's episode wife if you are still listening i hope i hope this podcast uh or this episode was a little bit easier to follow um and yeah so you don't have to be my wife to give me feedback um if you are someone who is not my wife listening to this and you have feedback of your own um please feel free to email me um, my email address is in the description of this of this episode and yeah whether it be positive or negative feedback um if if it re- if what i talked about resonated with you if you want to you know continue this conversation and dialogue please feel free to uh, reach out and yeah i would love to continue talking and continue this conversation so uh yeah thanks for listening guys i really hope that the trump haters heard this and I'll talk to you guys next week.